I was talking to my dad this week about preparing some thoughts about silence and solitude, looking through some scripture. I shared a couple thoughts and he said, yeah, I like that. It's kind of like an adult timeout. I said, I said, what? He said, well, you know, kids are given timeouts to sit and to reflect, to kind of gather their emotions and just to be in, in solitude and silence. He said, adults should be doing more of that too. I said, yeah, that's right, because it's not punitive. We're not trying to punish someone. It's purposeful. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Happy Sunday. So those of you that I don't know, my name is Adam, but I'm Vicar Adam, not Pastor Adam. Pastor Adam is with us this morning, but has the day off, sort of. So I get a chance to spend a few minutes with you this morning, and I'm excited to do that. Whether you are here in this beautiful and historic church in downtown Knoxville, or whether you're watching on live stream, thank you for being with us this morning. We do continue our worship at this time in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Pastor Adam was with you last week, and he introduced the idea of some practice, uh, the idea of practicing the way, certain habits or routines, practices that will help us do three things, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. That's a pretty noble pursuit, right? So I had the chance to talk to you this morning about the first practice, the practice of silence and solitude. Doesn't that sound nice? So I'll confess to you that this is a practice that's a bit lacking in my life, if I can say that. Uh, as we talk about silence and solitude, I want to start with a couple of quotes. The first quote is from Ralph Waldo Emerson, and it says, Let us be silent that we may hear the whisper of God. Now, I don't know about you, but it's never when I'm in busy traffic, when I'm stuck in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic on Kingston Pike or on I-40 or when I'm in a crowd and things are busy and hectic and it's noisy that I just stop and still and say, yes, God, thank you for that clarity, for that discernment and that direction. It never happens in those moments. It has to come. The fruitfulness is in the silence and solitude. So the second quote I'll share with you this morning, it's one you've probably heard, at least in part, says that silence is golden unless you have kids and then silence is suspicious. <laughs> I think to this, I heard a, a right, right? Amen. So whether you have kids or you have pets, I think it applies the same. When I'm at home and I'm in a quiet room by myself, I have three young kids and a four-month-old puppy, so pray for me. Uh, but when I'm at home and I'm in a quiet room and it's too quiet for too long, I begin to smell for smoke. I begin to listen for screams. And I'm wondering if they're planning something that I'm not a part of, because it's suspicious. So I've told you and I've confessed already that the practice of silence and solitude is something that's a bit lacking in my life. 
Recognizing that, about three months ago, my wife Amber and I began to plan for our 16th wedding anniversary. And part of the criteria, as we talked about where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do, was we wanted to find a place that was quiet, where we could find silence and solitude. So we began to research a little bit, we got online, and we found a place in Helen, Georgia, a place called Lucille's Mountaintop Resort. So we packed the car, we drove a few hours down there, we got to the bottom of this mountain, and there's this long, winding gravel drive all the way to the top of a mountain. We make our way up to the top of the mountain, and we arrive at this inn, and it's beautiful. There's only about 10 rooms. You open your door, and it's totally silent. So we unpack our bags, we intentionally deposit our cell phones in our room, and we go out back of this inn where there's this big open field. And when you get into this field, you look out, and the views are breathtaking. And I think we've got a photo, hopefully, of one of the views. So that's one that we snapped before we left. So we found a couple of chairs together away from everyone else, and I just stared out into the mountains. And I let the wind blow through my hair. Why do you guys laugh at that? Okay, so I felt the wind blowing. And I felt the sun shining. And the birds and the hawks were flying at eye level. And for about a minute and a half, it was glorious. And then it dawned on me, now what are we going to do? Because I had become so comfortable in the chaos. I didn't know what to do, and I was bothered by how bothered I was by the silence. See, when I'm at home in the evening and the kids are at bed, I sit on the same cushion on the same couch, and I just scroll mindlessly through my phone looking at silly videos, or getting in, into social media. Or sometimes I'll turn on the TV to a streaming service, like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime, and I'll just watch a documentary or binge watch a series. Oftentimes, I'm playing on my phone while I'm watching the streaming services. So it dawned on me on the top of that mountain just how conditioned and comfortable, again, the chaos had become, and I didn't like that. I knew I needed to focus more on the practice of silence and solitude. Maybe you would confess the same thing in your life as well. So as we begin to talk about silence and solitude, I think it's important for us to understand for our purposes what it is we're talking about, what silence and solitude is, and what it isn't. So what silence and solitude is, it is the intentional and consistent time alone with God in silence. This can be done in smaller daily doses, and it probably should be, or it can be done in larger doses as well. You may be saying, Adam, I get it, I really should be doing this, but you don't understand, I, I, it's, life's too busy, I can't make time for these things, I just, I have no more room in my day. Well, I've learned two things after 40 years of life about myself and about other people. People make time for the things that they want to make time for. And important things to people make a calendar. Now, maybe it's on your phone, maybe it's on a work calendar, maybe it's a post-it note on your refrigerator, but people make time for the things that are important to them, and then they protect it and they guard it on the calendar. So I'm telling you, we have to make time for this, and we have to protect it on our calendars. I was talking to my dad this week about preparing some thoughts about silence and solitude, looking through some scripture I shared a couple thoughts, and he said, yeah, I like that. It's kind of like an adult timeout. I said, I said, what? He said, well, you know, kids are given timeouts to sit and to reflect, 
to kind of gather their emotions and just to be in, in solitude and silence. He said adults should be doing more of that too. I said, yeah, that's right, because it's not punitive. We're not trying to punish someone. It's purposeful. So time out in silence and solitude allows us to reflect on the past, to kind of soak up the present as we should, and to give some thought to the future. I like that, adult time out. So that's what it is. It is the intentional and consistent time alone with God in silence. It is not involuntary or thrust upon us. A few weeks back, myself and the majority of my family tested positive for COVID. So there was some solitude and some quarantine that had to take place. But kind of like being stuck in an elevator involuntarily, we're so worried about the thing that caused the silence and solitude, then we really are able to benefit from the silence and solitude. I was more worried about getting healthy and beating a virus. On the rare occasion that I've been stuck in an elevator, I'm not really thinking about the fruitfulness of the silence and solitude. I'm just standing there thinking, are those doors ever going to open again? Or am I just destined to live in an elevator? This is just where I live now. I don't so it's not in those moments where the fruitfulness comes. So why should we do this? Isn't being busy a good thing? Hasn't our culture and our country told us that being busy really means that we're successful? Pastor Adam and I had a chance to visit a little bit in the middle of the week, and we talked about this. Is being busy, is that a good thing? And I love his words, so I stole them, and I paraphrased them a little bit. But essentially, our discussion landed on, while working hard and not being lazy or slothful is a good thing, being busy to the point of being burdened is not a good thing. That busyness is always a bad thing. So why should we do this? I think there's two reasons we should do this. Number one, the whole world recognizes the benefit of silence and solitude. This isn't a theological discussion we're having. This isn't just a denominational discussion. This is something that the whole world, the secular world, recognizes the benefit of. Whether you call it mindfulness or meditation or different forms of yoga, all of those prescribe to the practice of silence and solitude and deem that intentional, consistent practice a worthwhile endeavor. You may pay a lot of money for books and programs and classes that arrive at the same answer, silence and solitude is a good thing. There are health benefits. There have been countless studies which have shown that silence can boost health. I think we all need a boost to our health, right? It can potentially improve memory. It can relieve stress. It can fight insomnia. It can heighten and sharpen our thoughts, our senses, and our emotions. When I was on top of that mountain, the bird's songs sounded a little sweeter, and the breeze felt crisper and cleaner. It's no longer these things just happening to us, it's us truly experiencing the world as God intended us to experience the world. I recently read a, a, a Wall Street Journal article from March of this year uh, that it was entitled, Silence Emerges as a Way to Boost Health. And in that article, there was a, uh, a quote from a research director from a wellness institute in Miami, Florida. And she says this. She says that people are desperate for silence. Not that they should do it sometime, or yeah, there may be something to this silence and solitude. She says that people are desperate for silence. So we should practice silence and solitude because the whole world recognizes the benefit. But second, and most importantly, 
because Scripture speaks often of silence and solitude and stillness. Because it's probably the oldest church practice. Because Jesus practiced silence and solitude. And he was an example for us in that way. When Jesus wanted time alone for the, with the Father, he retreated and he relished in silence and solitude. Whether it was in the desert or on a mountaintop, he often retreated to desolate places. It wasn't just Jesus. It was Moses and Elijah and Jacob and Paul and Peter. They all did this, the characters throughout God's meta-narrative, the whole Bible. When we look at the Bible, we don't have to go very far. Just flip to the second book of the Bible in Exodus, where we see examples of silence and solitude and the principles of stillness. In Exodus chapter 14, we see Moses. He's leading the Israelites out of Egypt. And we see this scene before they cross the Red Sea where they're scared to death. They're afraid. They see the army approaching. And they want to give up. They say to Moses, you know, we should have just stayed there. We should have just stayed. We should have been slaves. What are we doing out here? Anxious and worried. Moses says, hey, stand firm. Stand firm. Then he tells them this in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. The NIV translation says you need only be still. So it's 14 short verses later, we see God drowns the Egyptian army and the Israelites escape. Sometimes we are so busy, we're so worried about all that's going on, we're so anxious. We want to give up, but we have to stand firm. Being silent, being still reminds us of the truth that God loves us and he is fighting for us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon is writing about life cycles or seasons of life. He says there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. In the latter part of verse 7, he says, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. An elementary school teacher of mine in Oak Ridge, uh, tired of my talking in class all the time, tired of me being a class clown, came to me and said, Adam, there's a reason that God gave you one mouth and two ears. I said, I don't get it. But, but now I do because we hear a lot if we aren't talking. We learn a lot from the silence. The book of Psalms is filled with wisdom about silence and solitude. I've told you all before, my favorite verse in the entire Bible is Psalm 46.10. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Sometimes being still and remembering that God is still on the throne and God is exactly who he says he is, it gives us the peace and comfort that we can get from no other place. We don't have to go it alone. We don't have to figure it all out. We can't outwork or out-hustle our hardships and contrary to what you've been told, busyness is never the solution. In the New Testament, we see Jesus himself practicing silence and solitude. In the first book of the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 4, and one book over in Mark chapter 1, 
We read about Jesus being in the desert and being tempted by Satan for 40 days, for 40 nights. In solitude, he overcame temptation, but he was also being prepared for the ministry that was immediately to follow. I used to think the desert was a place of weakness, but it was in the desert where Jesus was being strengthened. He was being readied. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, we read, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, he being Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Later in the same chapter of Mark, we see Jesus preaching and healing. And in verse 45, we see that Jesus stayed outside in lonely or desolate places. Silence and solitude was an intentional and consistent practice of Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, we see Jesus, he's speaking to his disciples. He had sent them out previously, and they had been preaching and teaching and healing sick people and driving out demons. In Mark chapter 6, verse 31, we read, And he said to them, Come away by yourself, by yourselves to a desolate place, and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. The NIV says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. The disciples were hangry. They were exhausted. Doesn't driving out demons make you tired? Jesus knew they needed silence and solitude and rest. Jesus said these words a long time ago. But I guarantee in your week, if you slow down long enough, you'll hear him saying to you, quiet the noise, get away from the crowds, come with me by yourself to a quiet place, get some rest. The disciples weren't doing all of the work, they weren't the only ones who were tired. In Luke chapter 5, verse 15 and 16, we read, but now even more, the report about him, him being Jesus, went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. I want to look at uh, verse 16 very carefully for just one second. It says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Now, I was never the best English student, and Greek class was hard for me, so this will be very limited, I promise, but I think the Greek construction of that sentence is very important. It's an imperfect verb followed by two present participles. So for all of our intents and purposes this morning, we just need to know this is a continual and it's an ongoing practice. It's something the English doesn't capture quite as well. So read it as he was regularly withdrawing. He was regularly praying. It's an ongoing thing. There's something like nine different examples of Christ seeking silence and solitude just in the book of Luke. So we're going to walk through every one of those in detail this morning. I'm just kidding. People are like, no, we're not. Uh, But I'll leave you with this. Luke chapter 6, we see Jesus is doing exactly what Jesus normally did before any big decision. He found solitude. In verse 12, we read, In these days he went out to the mountains to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So what does Luke tell us happens the very next morning? He calls his his disciples and he chooses 12 of them. That's a pretty big moment, right? 
Similarly, when we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane throughout the Gospels, we see him retreating alone to pray just before he's turned over to authorities, before he's beaten, and before he's crucified. This was Jesus, the Son of God. He did these things, so we should do these things as well. So this is an invitation this morning. It's not a mandate. Do what works for you. Start small. Start tomorrow. Maybe you can set your alarm 15 minutes early before the house gets busy and just sit and quiet. Maybe you can take a walk at lunch. Maybe after dinner you go to the park and you sit on a park bench and you just have some quiet time alone. There's even a little breathing exercise on your watches, most watches, for 60 seconds where you just sit and be still. Everybody has one minute. I don't care how busy you are, you can find one minute. Maybe you even consider a silent retreat over a weekend, a place where you go away intentionally to read and write or just be alone in nature. If you're participating in a connect group this fall, and I hope that you are, If you want to, there's still time to do that. Talk to your group about this practice of silence and solitude. Talk about the benefit. Talk about the difficulties. Talk about all the frustration that comes with just sitting still like I had to in that chair. But talk about the fruitfulness as well. Looking ahead for the next five weeks, Pastor Adam is going to be back with you. You're welcome. And he's going to be talking about silence and solitude. And I'm excited because a lot of these, I want to be here to hear talking about pain that comes from silence and solitude, talking about whose you are and who you are, listening to God's voice. And I love this, letting go of anxiety, casting your cares on him, meditating on scripture. So I hope you'll join us for those. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your son, Jesus, for the example that he is for us, for the Savior that he is for us. Father, help us to find opportunities to practice silence and solitude in the weeks that follow, to quiet the noise, to escape the crowd, to be still and know that you are God. It is in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. As we continue our worship today, we're going to continue by collecting an offering. Uh, You can give an offering in this place with cash or check in the popcorn buckets that'll be in the back when you leave. Uh, If you filled out one of those physical connect cards, you can drop that in the bucket as well. And if you're somebody who came prepared to give today and you would prefer to give online, you can do so at thepointknocks.com by clicking the little button in the bottom corner. Uh, However you give, Know this, we give not to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Um, okay, so now we have a handful of questions. This is the point in the service. Usually you say this. Yeah, it usually, felt right. Usually this is the point <laughs> in the service where I say, hey, we love questions and they're really helpful. So we get to respond to your questions as best as we can. And normally I do that, but we're going to let uh, Vicar Adam attempt it uh, as much as he wants. And for his own comfort's sake, though, I'm fully confident he'll do great If he wants to defer any of the tough ones, we'll let Emily handle those later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, There are some some that have to do right with the message and some that don't have to do with the message. I'm going to hit the ones that don't have to do with the message first or second? Second. I'll do the ones that hit, hit the message first. So, 
How does white noise fit into this idea of silence and solitude? Is it a tool to help practice silence or does it take away from a true silence that allows our minds to fully be at rest? Great question. I think white noise is perfectly acceptable. Uh, I think if that helps you quiet, then sometimes it's a little too quiet. Uh, we have uh, Amazon uh, Alexa that in the evenings will say, hey, play thunderstorm sounds. And then as we fall asleep, it's just kind of peaceful and quiet. So I think it's helpful. If it's a good tool and it's useful for you, for me personally, when I start in the morning, I have to have silence and I take things out of my hand and that's just my way to kind of ready myself. But if white noise helps, I think that's, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I Hopefully like Adam doesn't disagree. <laughs> I have to like throw my phone to the other, like into a different room. Like yeah. not today. Yeah. Um, okay. Next question. How silence does my silence have to be to connect with God? This is similar, but different. I struggle with racing thoughts due to a psychiatric condition, and I've never been able to practice therapeutic mindfulness without a verbal guide. I write my prayers down or my brain goes off the rails. Will I be missing out on a spiritual experience if I have to put on music or a sermon to give my thoughts some direction? No, I don't think if you need those things and they're helpful and they're beneficial, that it any way takes away from the time for God. As to writing prayers out, I do that sometimes in preparation for the sermon, I did that. Uh, I think it's just helpful sometimes to journal, to get thoughts down, it's therapeutic. For me, when I'm writing short stories or things like that, it's kind of a form of therapy and I enjoy it. So it's not quiet because there's noise and I'm busy, but it's very beneficial. So no, similarly, I think it's, uh, if that works for you and you've discovered that that's helpful and that's the most fruitful way to do it, by all means. And I think that every one of us uh, at some level will struggle with total silence because it's so foreign to most of us. And, and even if we're good at it and we practice it a lot, it's going to be foreign to our culture and the world we live in. So we have to fight against the grain to be there. Um, so if starting with some noise is a place to begin, do it. And if maybe for 30 seconds you can have silence and then your mind loses focus, try that, 30 seconds. And uh, if you're somebody who does like more of the um, guided prayer and guided listening time, uh, the great app that I would recommend is called Pray As You Go. Uh, every day they release a new 10 to 12 minute like guided meditation centered on scripture. Um, and so you could listen to that slowly as you pray through them if you need some more help in learning to slow down and, and pause. I love that. Pray as you go. Okay, next question. Great sermon. You spoke to me. Not a question. Um, okay, one more not a question, and then a final question. This is just kind of cool. I should have said this one first, actually, timing-wise. Hey, I've been using Cash App to send money and spend using the cash card. Try using my code, and you'll get $5. So if anybody uses Cash App, Tyler Stukesbury is a big Cash App fan. The code is... Remember this, I guess. <laughs> I didn't think this through. The code is P-R-N-Z-Z-W-G. P-R-N-Z-Z-W-G. Text forgot. me later if you want that code. Okay, shoot me a text, Tony, or an email. When we say you can text anything in, we mean it. Yeah. Okay, final question. Final question. Is the point welcoming to members in the LGBTQ community? I'm going to say yes, and then I'm going to stand behind Adam and let him <laughs> fully fill in. So, You answered right. Um, welcoming is a really confusing word that we have to go and unpack a little more. What do you mean by that? Um, are we welcoming? Are you loved here? 100%. 
Will we hold your sin or anything you're struggling with against you above and beyond what we hold everybody else's? No. We're going to hold you to the same standard, and that standard is every one of us is broken, and every one of us needs to come to Jesus, not on our terms, but his terms. And so every one of us lives our life seeking Jesus, and his death and resurrection is enough. And if you're here and you're in that community or you have people that are in that community and you want something more as a condition, either for or against being here, well, that's not going to work. The only condition we hold here is it's not about us, it's about him, and we're going to just keep looking to him. And that allows room for a lot of difficult and challenging and confusing and sometimes gray conversation. But are you welcome here? Absolutely and always. It's wonderful, yeah. Matthew chapter 22 talks about love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So loving someone and welcoming them. Those are all the questions. Because that's such a big, sensitive topic, and it really does matter a lot, uh, not this week because I will be out of town, but any future week or this week if Adam's available, I will gladly take you out to coffee and just sit and hear why that's so important to you. Um, I know in our culture for some that's really important because they've seen it be abused and some it's really important because they have friends who are hurting and for some it's because they themselves are hurting and they're saying, what do I do in this world? So whatever your reason or motive, we, the three of us, will always be um, eager to be safe people to sit and hear your story and your hurts and your concerns and to love you and we'll also be people who will say, we don't have answers but we'll care about you through that anyway. So, Those are the questions. The end. Well, Adam, you did great. See, this isn't so scary. Yeah. Give, give him the tough <laughs> stuff. You're doing the benediction? I am going to do the benediction. Unless you want to. Do you? No. 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 <laughs> As you go today, receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.